Question. Do you have any idea what you just sang? With the exception of a couple of folks that I've kind of already let the cat out of the bag to, how many of you actually know what that song was about? If you haven't already, get your songbook open. Turn it open to number 458 in the garden. And while you're finding number 458, let me tell you just a couple of quick little tidbits about this song and about the songwriter. This song was written back in 1912 by this fellow here, a fellow by the name of C. Austin Miles. And it's been a favorite of many for the better part of a century now. I know many people that will say this is just one of their all-time favorite gospel songs. This song has actually been performed and it has been recorded by several famous musicians. Elvis Presley, Willie Nelson, Johnny Cash. You can actually go home this evening and fire up YouTube and type in the garden in the name of any of those artists and you'll hear their particular renditions of those songs. Interestingly, even though this song is titled In the Garden, it was written, and I'm quoting here from the author's uh, granddaughter, this song was written in a cold, leaky basement in New Jersey that didn't even have a window in it, let alone a view of a garden. And so, what's going on in this song, In the Garden? Well, let's just, let's just read it together. Sometimes when we're singing a song, we don't really grasp everything that's going on. Let's just read the words for what they are. In the garden. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. He speaks. And the sound of His voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. And the melody that He gave to me within my heart is ringing. I'd stay in the garden with Him, though the night around me be falling, but He bids me to go. Through the voice of woe, His voice to me is calling. And He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Now I'm going to ask you again, do you have any clue as to what that song is talking about? And I think that is a very fair question to ask, not just of this song, but of every song that we sing in this assembly. It's a fair question to ask because 1 Corinthians 14 and in verse 15 says that we're to sing with the Spirit, but we are to sing with the understanding also. It's important. We need to understand what it is that we are saying when we are singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Whenever we sing these words to God, we know what it is that we're saying. And so what is this song about? I must confess to you that the older that I have gotten, the more this song has bothered me, mainly because I didn't know what it was talking about. I really didn't have any clue what this song was about. And the truth is, if we were to go around this room right now, I'm guessing that for as many people as are in here, that's how many different interpretations we would have of this song. We'd have like a hundred different ideas of what this song is about. And I've heard lots of those ideas throughout my lifetime. Some have said that this is a song about prayer. Maybe we think of prayer because of a garden and we picture Jesus praying in a garden. And the words do talk about the idea of having a close relationship with the Lord. But did you notice that in the song, who is it that's doing most of the talking? Well, in the song, most of the talking is being done by the Lord. It's not a person talking to the Lord. It's the Lord saying some things to a person. And so saying that this song is all about prayer, eh, that doesn't just, just really doesn't fit. 
Some have said as well that it is a song that, well, maybe it draws its inspiration from a, from a biblical story, maybe even a story that involved a garden of some kind. I read a blog last week where the author of this blog, she was very, very confident. She said that this song is clearly, clearly it's talking about the Garden of Eden and how God walked and He talked with Adam and Eve in the garden. And of course the chorus does say some things there about walking together and talking together, but eh, it just doesn't really fit the whole rest of the song. And the reason it doesn't fit the rest of the song because who does the end of verse 1 say is the main character in the song? It's the Son of God. Jesus is the one under discussion here. And so, once again, I'm just really not sure that the Garden of Eden really fits what's going on here. Some have said, all right, it's talking about Jesus. What about Jesus in a garden? Jesus very notably was in a garden. The Garden of Gethsemane on the night in which He was betrayed. Maybe even that phrase there in verse 3 where it talks about the voice of woe. Maybe that puts us in the mindset of where Jesus was at that particular time. We know the Bible says that He was in deep agony as He prayed to the Father there. But, however, if you looked at all of the other lyrics to the song, Garden of Gethsemane just doesn't fit here either. That just doesn't really fit the story of what the song is saying. And so I'm, having ruled all of those things out, I'm going to ask for a third time. Do you know what this song is about? You know, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be singing something that is intended to worship God. It's intended to give glory and honor to God. And at the same time, it's intended to teach and admonish one another. But maybe it doesn't have any biblical basis whatsoever. Or maybe the song just doesn't have any roots whatsoever in Scripture. I don't want to be singing songs like that, do you? I don't want to be caught up in any of that. That might lead to some place we don't want to go. And so maybe at this point, some of you are maybe a little bit troubled. (laughs) kind of concerned about singing this song. What is this song about? Well, would it help you if you knew what was in the author's mind when he wrote this song? The good news is, since this song was just written a little over a hundred years ago, we do have some written things from the author where he talked about this song. And he let us know exactly what his motivations were, what it was that caused him to have the idea for this song. Back in the early part of the 20th century, when this song was really starting to gain some steam and gain some popularity, the author, C. Austin Miles, he was actually interviewed about this song. And he explained what it was that led him to write these words to In the Garden. He said the following. He said, I had just read the story of the greatest morning in history. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, while it was yet dark under the sepulcher. And instantly, completely, there unfolded in my mind the scenes of the Garden of Joseph. Out of the midst of the garden comes a form, halting, hesitating, tearful, seeking, turning from side to side in bewildering amazement. Falteringly, bearing grief in every accent, with tear-dimmed eyes, she whispers, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, he speaks, and the sound of his voice is so sweet the birds hush their singing. Jesus said to her, Mary, just one word from his lips, And forgotten are the heartaches, the long dreary hours, all the past blotted out in the presence of the eternal future. Some of you, I hope right now, putting those pieces together, because I know that when I read that, it was kind of a, ah, okay, yeah, I kind of see where all of this is coming from now. Suddenly it starts to make some sense that this is a song that is written from the perspective 
of Mary Magdalene. And it is intended to describe some of the events and some of maybe even the emotions that Mary may have felt on that fateful Sunday morning when Jesus rose from the dead. That moment when she encountered the risen Lord. And so I will say this song does have some biblical roots. It draws its inspiration. You may have noticed the quotations there from John the 20th chapter. In fact, it's worth our time to actually just read those verses from John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark, and she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran, and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and she said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid Him. In the next few verses, we get kind of just Peter and John's perspective and what it was that they saw when they viewed the empty tomb. Verse 11 then picks right back up with Mary and from her perspective. Verse 11 says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid Him. And having said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. Then Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that He had said these things to her. Now when you take those passages from John chapter 20 and then you set them side by side with the lyrics of In the Garden... Many of those words in that song that are maybe a little bit puzzling if you don't know where it's coming from, many of those words, they kind of start to make some sense. For example, there in verse 3 of the song where it says, I'd stay in the garden with him, and it goes on to say, but he bids me go. That's obviously taken right there from verse 17 in John chapter 20, where she's obviously, she's clinging to Jesus, but Jesus says, don't cling to me. You need to go. You need to go and, and tell my brothers. You need to tell them what it is that you have seen. Now, having said those positive kinds of things about the song, and maybe we're all feeling a little bit better about the the origins of this song, and maybe we've got a little bit better understanding of what it's trying to describe, can I for just a quick moment maybe put my critical cap on for just a second? This is a little bit different of a hymn study than normal, because all the songs that I have chosen thus far up until now... Uh, have been songs that are that are favorites of mine, songs that I love to sing. I'll just go ahead and confess to you, this is not one of my favorite songs. And I'll give you some reasons for that. First of all, while this song is rooted and based in John chapter 20, I think we ought to take note of the fact that the author of the song does take some pretty obvious liberties with the text that's recorded in John chapter 20. The events that are given about Jesus' resurrection day. For example, there in verse 2 of the song, it says that He speaks, Jesus speaks... And the sound of his voice is so sweet that the birds hush their singing. I I mean, we don't know that. The Bible doesn't say that. 
Bible doesn't give those kinds of details. In fact, if you were to ask me what did the birds do when they saw that Jesus was alive, I'd probably say that the birds started singing loudly. That would be my inclination. And I realize that that that's called poetic license. We've got some folks who like to write poetry and they're going to be the first to tell me that that's just kind of doing some poetic liberties there, maybe putting some things in there that maybe would have been likely to express some ideas. And So maybe I'm being a little bit too persnickety about that, but that's just one instance. There's other things in the song. What about, for example, what about in verse 1? It says, I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. So the idea is Mary came early in the morning. And that is what John chapter 20 says, that she did come early in the morning. It was still dark. But as you continue on through the song and as she's having this conversation with Jesus, when you get to verse 3, it says that night is falling. I'm not sure that that's what John 20 says. John 20 doesn't really, at least as I read, it doesn't seem to be describing like, you know, hours and hours of conversation between Jesus and Mary. It seems to be a relatively short conversation that he's having with her. I realize there could be some things that maybe just the text doesn't include for us to know. But again, it's kind of stretching some things, maybe reading some things into it. And I should just maybe go ahead and say here what is maybe maybe the most often cited criticism of this song. And that is there are some... Some people pick up some romantic overtones almost in this song. And I'm not going to be quick to jump on that particular bandwagon. Some folks want to say that this song seems to somehow romanticize a kind of a sordid love affair between Jesus and Mary Magdalene. I don't think C. Austin Miles had anything like that in mind when he wrote this song. But I would tell you this, and here's really just my biggest criticism within the garden, is that there's just not a lot of depth to this song. And I know that by saying that, I know I am running the risk of being stoned with songbooks by people whose this is their favorite song in the entire book. And that's okay. It's okay if this is your favorite song. I asked Michael to lead that song. I know that he's led it before, and I know that he likes that song, and I know he wanted to sing it. So I'm not saying this song is wrong. I'm not discouraging any of our song leaders uh, from leading it. I wouldn't have asked Michael to lead it if I didn't think we shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be singing this song. But I just don't find that this song has a whole lot of depth to it. For me, this song is just a little bit shallow. You know, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 tells us that we are to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I must be honest with you, I'm not entirely sure what this song is teaching. I'm not entirely sure what this song is admonishing us to do. Maybe somebody will say, maybe this song is just meant to to teach us about the you know the events that happened from Mary Magdalene's perspective and to to think about that and maybe to encourage us to to have that kind of close relationship with the Lord like she had maybe that's what it's teaching maybe it's admonishing us to walk and to talk with the Lord that we ought to walk with Jesus spiritually we sang a song about that just a few moments ago and we can talk with the Lord we talk to him in prayer and let the Lord talk to us he talks to us through his word Maybe that's what people get out of this. That might be the takeaway from this particular song. I'd certainly be interested to hear your ideas and your thoughts on what it is that comes to your mind when we sing this song. What message is that you take away from it? It's the wonderful thing about music and about poetry is that it has a way of just kind of hitting people in different kinds of ways. What kinds of songs maybe hit me the hardest, maybe don't hit you the hardest. I don't want to discount the fact That even things that I may not personally prefer or wouldn't be part of my particular taste, I don't want to discount the fact that that song may actually bring some comfort and some joy or some encouragement to somebody else. What I want all of us, though, to take away tonight is that singing is an awful important part of our worship to God. 
And it's something that we need to all be taken very, very seriously. And one of the components of that, of taking singing seriously, is to have a very critical eye and to look closely at these words that we're singing. I'll just say, if we are ever singing something out of one of these songbooks that you have a question about, or maybe you just maybe you just don't even know what those words mean. It's not that you think it's you know false doctrine, but you're just just not sure about that. I got asked the question last week about the Eben Pinion song. What's an Eben Pinion? And I tried to answer about that. What I'm just saying is, do some investigating if you've ever got a question about a song. Don't just assume that every song that we have in these books or the songs that we sing are all entirely thoroughly scriptural. These hymns, let's remember, they are written by human beings, fallible human beings. And in the very same way that we always want to check the preacher when he's preaching, I think we ought to do that same thing and check the hymn writer. Think about Acts 17 and in verse 11. Those Bereans, they were examining the Scriptures to see if those things were true and if they were so. We want to do that very same thing with the songs that we sing. Let's all just do our due diligence and let's always make sure that we are able to say that we have truly worshipped God in spirit and in truth.